joined, we were just talking to Isabel about our time in um, Colombia back in January. And we wanted to get, she was showing us all the great things about Colombia and all the different areas. Uh, uh, Guatape was one of them. And uh, it looked really cool. It looks like uh, the U.S.'s version of, well, I guess if Devil's Tower was on a really cool island. Cody, Cody referred to it as like the Lord of the Rings Shire. Yeah, I thought it looked like the Shire. <laughs> it looks cool. I want to go. But we didn't get to do much because there was already. Oh, I don't want to say that we didn't get to do a lot outside of Cartagena because we were there was just so much to do. Uh, Lisa had taken us uh, snorkeling at one of Pablo Escobar's compounds where it had like cool. the sunken plane. Yeah, oh, and I'm actually watching out on Netflix. There is this very famous. Um, I mean, it, it would be sort of like a soap opera, but um, that's called El Patron del Mal. I mean, it's unfortunate that, you know, obviously this is part uh-huh. of uh, the reasons why Colombia, you know, is identified. But there is this, uh, well, the show, Netflix, uh, that tells, you know, his entire story and or some of the scenes that uh, where they are like actually located in this place. It's the place itself. Um, but oh. it's a very famous place. Yeah, it's terrific. Wow. Apparently, the guy did bring. Uh, he had he had a zoo. He had a zoo in this place. Zebras, oh. elephants, giraffes. Um, so Whoa. so yeah, it's. Wait, is this the same compound that we went to in Cartagena? Yeah, or I different think it's one? different. There's no oh. way. Didn't he, he have like, like a ton of them? Didn't he? Oh my god. We we yeah. Cody and I have a picture of us swimming down and touching the plane. Oh, under, uh, it was pretty. It was pretty far. My head felt oh. like it was going to implode from the pressure. I think it was the broiest thing, the business broiest <laughs> thing that we've ever done together. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to call a different place. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no. This is uh, Hacienda Napoles. It's okay. in a different place. It's called here in Colombia, El Magdalena Medio. So it's completely different. It's from like when you travel to Bogota, like from Bogota to Medellin. It's like through that road. Um, but yeah, it's different from the one you went in Cartagena. Uh, but yeah, Caro is mentioning the one that has the zoo and everything. A lot of it, just uh, fascinating. Here in famous, but yeah. No. I was also telling them about San Andres. Then we have Caño Cristales. Like that, there's a lot of things to do here in Colombia. That's amazing. Yeah. Most of them are related to to nature traveling. Yeah, the it's na- amazing. The nature yeah, was amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and one of the coolest things I want to use to live there that obviously you take for granted is that, for example, if you live in Bogota, which is cold, right? I mean, it's like a constant fall. If you drive three hours away from the city, it's like you are already in this crazy summer, you know, and this is mm. throughout the years. So you don't have to wait yeah. for seasons to change, but you get everything at the same time. So yeah. um, I think you mentioned that you're in Florida, correct? I am. Yes, I've been living here in Miami for the past since 2015 so i think that's about eight years and then 2015 for me feels like three years ago but and then isabel you're in colombia correct yeah um right now i live in pereira that's a, like a city um mid-sized city here in colombia and it's near like the the coffee stone of colombia and it's pretty amazing that when was you say one- mid-sized what population size are we talking I think like seven hundred thousand people. Okay. Like in okay. in in Bogota, I think we have nine million people. So oh yeah, my goodness, <laughs> that's a lot okay. of people. <laughs> we don't even yeah. have that many people in Minneapolis. 
Now <laughs> <laughs> Bogota is pretty big. Oh, Bogota is huge. Yeah, you you guys. I did some looking. You have like the same like Bogota area has like the same population as New York City and like that surrounding mm-hmm. metro. That's huge. Jeez. I had yeah. no idea it was that big. Yeah, we're yeah, over here in the middle of nowhere in, in the Midwest <laughs> where you like look over, you're like, ah, yeah, no, there's pretty much nothing. I, so I didn't even grasp how big New York City was living here until Lauren and I went there like two years ago and we were just driving through and I was like, holy cow, this is a, this is a lot of steel. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but, question about on top then. So um, for the contractors that go through on top, are they, do you know, are they primarily located in like large metro areas or are they literally everywhere? Yeah, of course. So right now we have contractors everywhere. Um, for example, here in Colombia, I think we have contractors in most of the cities, also in Argentina uh, and in different countries of Latam. So it's not something that's metro area, but all around the countries, even in very small towns. So that's something great that, that we are doing because we, we have a lot of contractors in a lot of places that normally uh, people won't consider if it wasn't for, uh, for remote working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that's interesting is that many of the contractors that, well, that rendered their services, you have these new generations of people that truly value uh, flexibility that they value, that they can work from home, whatever you know that means. And if you're from a small town, you have your entire infrastructure, logistics, your family there, you can work from home. So I think that's um, it's a great advantage, right? I mean, if you have the right CV, if you have you know a very good you know expertise on the services that you can you know that you, that you offer, then. It doesn't really matter where you are as long as you have, I think, stable Wi-Fi, uh, et cetera. And if obviously not going to the office on a once in a while is not a requirement, then um, uh, it's a great it's a great solution. It's cool to hear. Yeah. Um, something that and this is slightly off topic, but um, something that I never did that Jake did actually, and he, he's done twice now is he's he moved from. So we're both. I guess we're both from Cedar Falls, we could say, which is nowhere. Um, very tiny town. In the middle of uh, Iowa, and, which Iowa's in the middle of the, map the, the for, Midwest. <laughs> but so, you know, Jake went to Kansas City, which is a large metro area. And then he went to Minneapolis, another large metro. And I never really did the big move. And the only reason that I was really able to was because of remote work and a future of remote work. In both of the places, the the agencies that I worked at, they were in person, at least for the start. Once we hit the pandemic, then remote work was okay and normal, but I was still going in person. And and that was something that um, I had to be intentional about, I guess, and in right. building the skill set. Because if not, then I wouldn't have had a choice. I would have had to have gone. And you could see it you know, for my family, right? Not never saying it explicitly, but just, you know. You're not in Des Moines. You're not in Chicago. You didn't do the the big move to get the big raise so that you can get the big paycheck. And yeah, it's it's a little bit of a different world when you take this this approach and this route. And yeah, you can prioritize other things in your life without having to make as big of a sacrifice. Because I think everybody wants to, if possible, stay by their family, stay by their friends, and that sort of thing. Right. Absolutely. So. And yeah, I mean, I think that narrative has been questioned right after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. 
that you have to move to the big city. You have to do all this masters and everything to be able to get the big paycheck. I mean, and and I think it's it's totally fair. It just depends on the person, on what they want to do, you know, their career path, how they built it. And to be honest, I mean, like I've met throughout my career a lot of people that have gone to great universities, etc. And obviously, I mean, that's always good. I mean, I'm the type of person that if I can pursue a second master's for myself, I would do it 100%. I mean, it's just, you know, two kids, you know, money <laughs> it becomes an issue. <laughs> but uh, how I see it right now is there are amazing professionals out there that didn't have to, you know, to do this move and they are in the same sort of like quality. I mean, it's very relative. And I think that all this happened and we're able to have this conversation because of the pandemic. That's what's awesome is that when we uh, contacted Lisa through you, she wanted, she was still in in her normal college years, getting ready to graduate within like the year with her uh, bachelor's. But then she was debating on going to Spain to get her master's. She was accepted into that, the program over there. And I remember her asking, what does that look like in terms of work? I'm like, well, it doesn't look like anything different. You just go to Spain and you work when you can work because you're still going to be contracted through on top. So it doesn't matter where you are. And um, I think the light bulb kind of went off on that one because she just was like, I don't know, like, I can I pursue the things I want to pursue or not? Because I am like moving countries. So it's like, well, if you're remote and you don't have to deal with kind of the country logistics of of switching, you know, through someone like on top, then um, it makes the whole process very easy, uh, which this whole opening is kind of a very good segue into the topic of the podcast today. So Cody and I, ha- we talk about on top all the time throughout the podcast, uh, the last 60 some episodes and have just mentioned it, uh, messaged it ugh, I can't talk today, have just mentioned it throughout um, and, and how we really recommend it for hiring or contracting people in other countries. And we just had an episode with Chris Walker from Legit, who owns a basically a marketplace for people to contract their server their services out. And he's got a pretty healthy contractor size that works on his own platform, but he struggled to pay contractors in a very uniform way. And I was like, or Cody and I both were like, you need to reach out to On Top because they could facilitate this uh, really easily. Yeah, that um, wasn't even something that we had thought about, but um, the the advantage of every, having everything in one place because he was saying that he has to go different places in order to deal with payments and stuff. And of course we're not big enough to have that be even an issue yet. But when he said that, we're like, Oh yeah, you should do that. Cause that makes sense. And that would be good for you. So I, I thought I would actually give you two of the formal introduction. Cause we've been, we've been at this for 15 minutes and haven't done that yet, <laughs> but Okay, I I wrote down. I've been taking some Spanish lessons, and I wrote down how to pronounce both of your names. So I'll give it my best shot, and you can correct me after I say each one. So first, we have Isabel Gabiria. Yes. How close was I? Perfect. Oh, perfect. All right. Next one, we have Carolina Ricon. Perfect. Good. Yes. Oh, ah, I nailed it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, can each of you two, what's up with Isabel, can you give us a, an idea, you know, tell us a little bit about your position with OnTop and uh, how long you've been with the company and a little bit about what you do? 
Yeah, of course. So right now I've been like over two years and a half, um, a little less uh, in on top. So I was one of the first members of the legal team and I've been part of the growth of the company. So that has been amazing. Right now, um, I'm a director of legal payroll um, in the legal team. And much of what I do is work with the different internal clients that are that um, yeah that help uh, the revenue from the payroll services that we have in the company. Because just to give you visibility, and Caro can complement me right now, we're organized by two streams of revenue: that's payroll and financial services. And what Caro did within the team was organize the team in those two streams of revenue. So I normally work with customer happiness, with everything related to customer support, to clients, to marketing product and tech and, and help uh, all the internal clients to grow the, the revenue from the payroll services and improve day by day the per- payroll services that we offer. So that's part of my role at on top right now. Awesome. Cool. Carolina? Thank you, Isa. Uh, yes. So um, I joined on top. This was November 2021. So it's going to be almost two years. Um, and I joined, um, yeah, as the, at that point I was VP of legal right now, I, I grew into the chief legal officer of a company and, um, as he was explaining what uh, we're doing from the, uh, for the legal team at this point is to be able to reflect the operation of a company. So right now the team, to give you an example, the team is split into the main operations of the company, one being payroll and then the other one being financial services. He says, on the side on payroll and then we have another another leader uh another director that takes care of, every, of everything related to financial services and i work with them i work with the entire team but uh isa and uh and rafa who's the other attorney those are my main point of contact and my job at top is to uh design the legal strategy for the company uh to make sure that we understand the operation I tell my team, we, you need to breathe and leave your internal client. I was in a in a call before, well, the call that I had before the podcast. I was working with the with the payments team, and it was a full immersion session for us. So I was telling them, listen, uh, when I was in Colombia, I used to work at Coca Cola. My first day was actually to meet the uh, uh, like the truck drivers at an X, you know, whatever location at 5.30 in the morning, oh, and I would go with them, right, throughout whatever, you know, the neighborhoods in Bogota, and I would drop with them the product. So from day one, I was immersed in the operation. I think mm-hmm. that at that point for the companies, like everybody that joins Coca-Cola needs to understand what we do, what we sell, how we sell it, main problems, etc. So that's sort of like one of the things that I try to bring into on top's legal team, right? Via the strategy, what we design, how we interact with internal stakeholders, and then uh, then go to the legal side. And it's okay, if the operation works this way, right? What is that we need to do from the legal side to make sure that we're compliant? So that's basically a long response to describe <laughs> the work that I do at the company. Yeah. Sounds like work I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for the uh, the background. Um, Cody was very excited to, to bring you two on the podcast because uh, usually what he says is legal people don't like to talk. And they, so, don't. <laughs> they don't. They um, don't. Well, okay. I, I don't like choosing the topics. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I feel like every time I'm in an environment where I get to talk to a lawyer, 
and then I ask a question that's and maybe this is this is the startup y vibe of oh it's just a simple question, right? You can give me a straightforward answer. And then when I ask a lawyer, it's like, well, you got this, this, this. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm like, I still don't know if I, I got it. I understand why, like, did you actually respond to the question? It's Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. This will be a little bit of an exercise in, in concise answers then. <laughs> because <laughs> um, I, I think that um, some of the, the stuff that we've talked up until this point, our listeners are familiar with it. And know it to some extent, but I think more so we have more people who are very bootstrapped and starting from zero and, and working with what they have, which is very little. And so that comes from a different mindset of I'm growing this with my money, not somebody else's. Um, it's a it's a small business, and that's what we're able to work with. So um, not only that, but also small. A lot of them are, are just themselves or just have a small team and they're still growing. Um, so I think some of this is entirely new to them, like it, it was to us. Um, I remember when we found Lisette and then we had to figure out a solution to hiring her. And we didn't even know how this worked at all. We knew that people did it, uh, but we didn't know what the options were. So that was actually my first question that I wanted to ask you. And um, just in a, in a general sense, you know, even without on top, if, if you're an agency and then you find somebody that you want to hire, um, not in your home country, overseas in any capacity, so that you are not your business isn't in that place to hire them, um, in in that traditional legal sense. What are your options? What what can somebody do? What are the different routes that people can approach getting a foreign worker and then paying them and hiring them legally? Yeah. So, Caro, I'm going to take uh, this answer. So right now, I think the, the easiest option, of course, is to an independent contractor agreement. However, there are some other options as an employer of record. So you can have you can, of course, decide which option is best for you and your needs as a company or as an agency. But there are those two options, independent contractor agreement and employment agreement. However, of course, each one of them comes with its benefits, with its pros, with its contracts, and it will depend 100% on how are you contracting that person, if it's through a third party, if it's a, um, directly, um, and what are the, the things that this person is going to do for you. So I think those are the, the main questions that you should be asking. Cool. So and just to clarify, so people understand too, employer of record, Correct me if I'm wrong. You get a local company to hire the local employee that you want, and then you work with that company to employ them effectively indirectly because you you can't. So you have to work with somebody who's capable of doing that. Correct. So as I was mentioning, the employer of record is a, a bit more complex than in the independent contractor because you need to have a company that can provide the employer of record service in the country that the person is located. So this person can have an employment agreement and that all the payments and all the benefits that are subject to law should be paid like by this this partner that you will have in that particular country. I think okay. we looked we looked at that for for an option of like being like being an employer of record in Colombia. And then we realized that it's basically like being familiar with U.S. employment law, but in a different country and <laughs> another one you don't speak a language in. And uh, and we were like, well, that's probably out of the question. <laughs> so 
So we're like, we okay, don't know Spanish well enough yet to <laughs> do that. <laughs> yeah. So um, then I was like, okay, well, we can't, you know, we can't do like the typical um, employment there where we, you know, withhold her taxes or, you know, abide by Colombian benefits because we have no idea what those are. And there's a lot of tech companies out there that will set up an employer of record in like a, a more simple country like Romania or something. Um, but then that's like the extent of their their employer of record where you want to hire somebody in, you know, South America, for instance, you know, you either have to be intimately familiar with that, with that, uh, that country to want to do that or work with another company that's willing to act as your employer of record, um, which is exactly what you do in this situation. Yeah. Um, so Jake was ambitious from the beginning. He's like, we can do it. <laughs> and then we looked into it and like, we can't do that. That's I mean, we, we could, right. But that's like, that's a whole different adventure. Um, so totally. can you, can you say, I think you touched on it a little bit, but just to clarify again too, um, what, why, or what are the advantages or what are the disadvantages to going one way or the other? And why would a agency want to pick one over the other when they're starting out? Okay. So I think, um, the first thing is of course, both figures are completely different. One of course, depending on the country you are doing it, one will be re like one will be subject to to commercial and civil law. That's the independent contractor agreement, and of course, the the employment agreement will be subject to employment laws. So this will will generate different like different. Um, points that you need to take into account, for example, work schedule. And in the work schedule, employees can can have work schedule while the independent contractors set their own schedule and their own hours. Taxes, you were mentioning taxes uh, a few minutes ago, and independent contractors pay their own taxes. They are responsible for their own taxes, while employees, um, normally the company that, that hires them, withholds their taxes, their 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 pay from their paycheck in particular, then you have benefits. Normally, independent contractors don't have benefits with the company while employees have benefits. Um, equipment and tools. Uh, normally, independent contractors work with their own tools while um, employees nor like company provides the tools for the employees. Um, and there are a lot of things that you need to take into account because they, they differ a lot from one to to the other contract mm -hmm. and those are things that that need to be taken into account caro i don't know if you want to complement I mean, yeah just to add something um it, i think that for small business owners and startups founders you need to be very clear about the expectations that you have and that's when then you analyze the different options that are you know out there because if you do not have i mean you're just getting started is your own money can you afford to have an employee or is it e easier just, you know, to go and hire, you know, contract contractors, right? And then just pay them, you know, on the go, on the services that they're going to give to you on specific deadlines, and then you're done, right? Especially because um, if you think about it, um, especially, well, specifically for startups, uh, there are things that you need to be thinking about, right? Do I want to hire these people? And eventually uh, be in a capacity to give them, you know, stock options. Is that something that 
I can, you know, I can do, how does it work, you know, for employees, how does it work for contractors, at what point, for example, I should be able to set up a plan if I keep growing, if I raise some capital. So the thing is that, yeah, you have to understand your expectations from the get-go and see, you know, what your plan is. And what happens with startups is that sometimes they just don't, right? But going to, I think, um, one of the points that you were raising is there's information out there. You don't have to pay, I don't know, a $500, you know, hourly fee to a council to be able to get this information. I mean, you already have acceleration programs. You have different um, options where you can get this information. That's how it depends on how proactive you are. Uh, I remember and um, uh, that obviously there are some hubs, right? Miami being one of them, California, New York. But I do remember uh, when I was working um, at the law firm, there was this client uh, that uh, they were offered to go to Indianapolis, right? There was this accelerator there, and they were help, helping them to uh, get, um, uh, well, all of their business in place. They were they had their own, like, inside uh, council that could provide this information, and they were, like, building their business in a proper way from, from the beginning, because uh, part of my experience, what I've seen is that, okay, this is my business, it's my money, my savings, and then they want to save money. <laughs> and then they decide not to get the proper information. And what ends up happening is they in the, in the medium, like probably short, medium to long term, they see the consequences of not building things in the proper way. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's it. I mean, obviously, going back to, to on top and the contractor employee conversation, uh, that's one of the things that founders need to be thinking about and what tools the market offers for them. So, yeah, we, I, I, when I started this, I wanted to do this whole thing as legitimate as possible because there are most of our listeners are usually out here trying to, at least when they first start, they're trying to find a service and then sell it, but then have either a contractor sell it for them or have the contractor execute it for them or a combination of both. They try to be as hands off as possible. So we're we're very big opponents of that. We don't we don't like the idea of you not being an expert in your own service, and then two outsourcing all of your labor to where you don't even have the you know the processes controlled or anything like that. So there there's a world where agencies will have a service and then they'll just go find a contractor who's willing to just invoice them for their time and their work, and then deliver on the the results that the contractor is willing to provide. Where I didn't want to go that route. I wanted our contractor to basically be a team member and do it as legally as possible um, by having them as a, you know, quote, team member, but not necessarily a legal employee because we don't have the EOR set up. Um, and that's kind of where like Lisa comes in, which is she walks, talks and acts like an Evergrow employee, um, but she is contracted through on top. And uh she sets her own hours. Of course, she just has to let us know when those hours are so we can, you know, facilitate work from there. And um, it's it's produced a relationship to where it's it's become like she's like an internal team member. And that's kind of how we always wanted to start it out from there. But um, when we even when we first started, started with her, we're like, just so you know, like, if we go the contractor route, you've got to do your own taxes, right? Like you've got to sit, put money away to handle your own taxes, just like Cody and I do as business owners in the, in the U S. 
and she had already done all our research on it and everything, which is awesome. But I think for agencies listening to this, if you're really trying to do things legitimate, kind of like we did, then finding a contractor who you can set reasonable expectations with that align with your internal team, using a service like OnTop is going to be, in our opinion, the best option um, versus trying to do it uh, uh, solo. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move things around. I have the outline and I'm like, nah, that doesn't really work in this order. So the legal perspective. So I'm like, I don't even know how to bring this up. When we finally set, we went back to our lawyer and we said, hey, we finally set. She seems cool. We want to hire her. She's in Columbia. I don't know how to do this. And he said, well, technically, if you're, if you're working with an independent contractor, you don't need anybody to facilitate that. You can just do it directly. Um, and what we ultimately decided was um, because we had connections um, through, you know, a, a chain of people to on top and uh, Lisa was comfortable with on top that it was just worth going through you guys just for the comfort factor and the trust factor. Um, but in addition to that, what what advantages do people have choosing to go through a company like on top as opposed to just going directly and, and writing up their own agreements and working directly with their uh, independent contractors? So I think uh, you mentioned one of those before, and one of those is the centralized platform to manage all of the contracts and standardized templates for those contracts. I think that's one of the main benefits that one third party like on top will offer because you'll have everything in one place, all your contractors in one place. And this also, um, this also includes centralized payments. You can make all of your payments through the same platform uh, to your contractors. In this, in, in this case, for example, on top offers a wallet and a card that for the contractors. And this is particularly um, like beneficial for contractors in LATAM. Why? Because they are getting paid in US dollars. And for example, that's my case. And this is amazing because of, of course the FX rate uh, sometimes can be a little bit complex in Latin countries. And, and this generates like an additional benefit and an additional um, yeah, way of working with international companies uh, for contractors in Latin. And the last but not least is the compliance management. We manage the KYB process, the KYC process with all of the contractors. We help the companies um, go through this KYC process and like make sure that these people are 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 verified so that's like something that's also beneficial from the from the third party perspective and that's something that we take care in on top cool yeah the i think the big thing is important too because we found out when we're like okay yeah we can if we wanted to we could write up the agreements and then you know going to our bank and saying hey guys we're going to send some money to Colombia on a regular basis. And they're like, what? You're going to, you're going to do what now? <laughs> they're like, and, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's been great. Right. And, and not only not, I mean, the solving that one issue, but then knowing that as we grow, um, if it were to grow even further, that it still wouldn't be an issue because, um, as Jake and I have found out, when you spend more money with your bank, they want to be much more involved in your business and control what you're doing with it. So um, that's always a great time is talking back to the bank about um, what you're doing and fighting with them about, <laughs> you know, 
credit limits and transfer limits and all that sort of fun stuff. So, um, but we've, we've never had an issue, um, when it comes to payments with on top anyway. So, Great. cool. Um, could you, I think a lot of people want, are going to want to know about the cost structure and how it relates to, um, or corresponds with what would normally be employment taxes. Because what we had found out was we didn't really, we didn't care or go out to try and save money. That wasn't a goal. Um, in fact, we pay everybody pretty much equally, um, regardless of where they are. And it's not one of the, the reasons why we were trying to take advantage of it. But we did find that um, actually on top's fees pretty much equivalent to what would normally be employment taxes and what we need to withhold in the U.S. So could you say in general what the the cost structure looks like for using on top? Yeah, sure. So right now we offer three different products to our contractors. One is EOR. And of course, the the like doing the balance is a little bit complex because it depends on the country and it depends on the taxes of each one of the countries. So that's something that we cannot calculate like today. However, this is something like that, of course, it will help a lot. And taking into account the contractors pay their own taxes, we have two products there. We have USign, that's a contract between the company and the contractor directly. And the cost is $29 plus 1% of the transactional fee. That's the cost of the USign product. That's one the first a contractor product that we have. Then we have on top signs. That's a, a little bit more complex product. It is a yeah, type of outsourcing of contractors. They, then the client contracts us directly through a service agreement. And then we contract, uh, we subcontract contractors for that particular client. The cost of this product is $29 plus 6.5% of transactional fee. That's our second contractor product. And then the third product is the, e, the EOR product. Of course, the price varies depending on the on the country because the, the, the taxes are different. The cost uh, for like for employment benefits are different. And the average cost of this product is $399 per employer, employee, employee sorry. But is yeah, that per is, per employee per month or per year? Per month. This is okay. all, all the costs are per month per contractor mm-hmm. in the first two products and per employee in the in the last product. Gotcha. Okay. How? Wh- what are the primary differences between the first two products? Where the U sign and the on top signs? Well, uh, it 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 depends because U sign the the client has like uh has the full control of the contractor is the one that's managing the contract is the one managing the payments while in on top signs on top is the one that's signing the contract that's normally a uh, managing like the 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 contract and the payments of course the payments will come by on top after the the client pays us uh. but yeah those like that's the particular difference and of course there are several liabilities that that on top has in the on top signs contract while in the u sign we mo- mostly act as payment agents uh yeah so yes yeah, so- don't call that way because you sign you sign basically on top signs the contract with the oh with the client the service um, services agreement and then with the contractor. Basically, if there's a, a legal issue between the client and the contractor on on top signs, on top can help facilitate that 
where if there's a if there's like a, an issue with where a client didn't deliver something in a you sign, then it's more falls in that contractor um, client relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah, in the second option, we um, depending on the case, but we, we we intervene more in that sense. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to just leave uh, an opening for any other tips or things that maybe we're not even thinking of or other people aren't thinking of when they're getting started. Just miscellaneous uh, advice and how to, you know, avoid legal troubles um, and make sure that they are doing things as, as clean as they can. If there's anything that we hadn't covered um, that you just want to talk about to make sure our listeners know. Let me think. I mean, other probably that what I mentioned at the beginning, which is, I mean, inform yourself. There are tools out there for you to build things in a legit, legitimate way, you know, from the beginning. I'd say that vis-a-vis, you know, our products and what we offer. Um, I'd say that uh, it's invor- very important because we have seen it. Um, very important for the clients to understand what is it that we offer, right? Because sometimes they uh, think that, you know, they have this internal need, the company, the agency, they have this internal need and then they go to us and it's like, oh, wait, but I thought that you guys offered this. And then, you know, in the implementation of the service, they realize that what we offer is a completely different thing. So um, uh, again, it all comes down for me in terms of expectations, in terms of uh, what they're trying to, how we can become their best ally, they, their best partner, right? To have the candid conversations from the beginning. I mean, we obviously have an acquisitions area that, you know, as any other company, they are, uh, their job is to sell, but to make sure that they are getting what they expect, from, from the beginning so that we can uh, manage expectations. I think that when clients um, have an idea in their mind and then on the other side, there are problems delivering or whatever, that's when things get complicated, when things, you know, just you're losing time. So, so alignment at the beginning in terms of expectation, I think it's something that's crucial. Yeah. And just to compliment, Carol, sorry. Sorry oh, to you're interrupt. Fine. No, go ahead. Um, Right now, uh, it, through on top, we, from the first time, like aligning the, those expectations with the clients, we've been working with the acquisitions team to generate those toolkits so the clients understand the products, so the clients know how to use the products in the correct way. I think that's one of the most important things that the client understands what product they have and how to use that particular product to avoid, of course, potential issues in the future. I think that's one of the most important things. Yeah. yeah. And, and both of you are, are from Colombia. And I just wanted to say that, like, uh, I think that's where, must be where on top is based, correct? Uh, no. No, oh, no, we're actually, uh, we're a Miami-based company. Yes. Okay. But we how many countries do you... Born in Colombia. Yeah, the uh-huh. founders are originally... Uh, from okay. Colombia, but uh, they're actually living here in Miami. This is where we have a lot of sea uh, level officers, you know, working for the company. So, yeah. How many countries does ONTOP serve? I hundred and seventy, I think one hundred and seventy. One hundred seventy. Oh my gosh! Not all of the products are available in the one hundred and seventy countries. However, no, we okay. have operations in one hundred and seventy countries. It depends, of course, on the product that you're looking for in each one of the countries. But yeah, um, 
those are the countries that we are operating right now. Awesome. So if people were looking if uh, in our position where they're just hiring their first, they want to hire their first contractor, they want to do it the first, you know, the right, the first way. Um, and, and they like the advice that you, you two gave or not necessarily advice, but just facts, <laughs> opinions, uh, options. Um, how would they reach out to ONTOP? What's the best method to, to reach out and get connected to someone that can help them? I think they can go into our web pages, uh, getontop.com. And then they can schedule a call with one one of our account managers in the acquisitions team. Um, but yeah, that's the best way. If they want, they can write. Uh, Instagram, the- we do have our profile on Instagram. And we have yeah. obviously teams, you know, behind that, our marketing team. So Instagram can always be a good option. Um, and yeah, usually it's, it's our website. And I think we're very easy to find. If you Google us, we're going to be probably, you know, the top three you know, payroll companies. So, so that's how, you know, like a, your normal Joe can reach out to us if they need something, uh, you know, uh, from, from the company. And, um, and one of the things that, you know, that I wanted to end the conversation with is that, um, uh, for example, in my case, I've worked for, you know, different companies, in-house law firm, blah, blah, blah. Um, And we are a very committed team. We love what we do. Um, so that's something that you can, uh, that you are going to find it on top. You're going to ha- find people that are just willing to take the extra step and, um, and help you with anything that, that you need. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, thank you too for joining us today. Uh, this has been awesome, um, for our listeners, hopefully, as we always mention on top, it's nice to actually bring on top onto the podcast to hear, um, some of the options that they have to, to set up their agency correctly. But- Great. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See you. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you.